Let's dive in. We are going to spend some time uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians today talking about what Paul has to say about spiritual gifts and how those spiritual gifts should be exercised, how they shouldn't be exercised, uh, what the purpose of spiritual gifts are, uh, that sort of thing. And so this is kind of week two in a three-week unit of teaching that Paul does that's all about how worship should be orderly, right? It it kind of all goes into chapters 12, I'm sorry, chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, four four chapters there um, that are all about orderly worship, keeping things. So last week we started off with uh, the way he bookends those, those four chapters with some teaching about um, men and women in worship and their distinct roles and, and that sort of thing. We got into all that. It was a lot of fun last week. And so, um, and so I think the title of that sermon was Hush, Men Are Talking. And uh, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke. So anyway, <laughs> that was a joke. All right. That, that's free. That, that's what happens when I get stuffing in me. So... Uh, anyway, no, it was, it, it, go back and listen to that someday when I get that posted on the podcast. And, um, and then, uh, so this week we're, we're dealing with a large chunk of, of these four chapters. In fact, we're going to go through about three chapters today. Don't worry. I, I have a plan to keep it short. And, uh, but it is, uh, all about spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts is one of those things that I think some of us think we have it figured out, and others of us, are. it's very mysterious to us. We're not sure, you know, what to think about spiritual gifts, and then especially depending on your background, the kind of churches you went to as you grew up, or maybe, uh, you know, churches you came to before here. Some of you are a little wary of spiritual gifts and, and, and appearing overly spiritual, and, you know, some of you think things aren't nearly spiritual enough. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's all you can do to keep yourself from jumping seats right now. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's this kind of, we, we, and that's one of the things I love about Living Hope is we all come to this from this variety of backgrounds. All of our expectations about church are, are completely different from each other. And so it just makes for this beautiful mess of church. And, uh, and so, but my understanding as we'll get into um, Paul's teaching today, that once we come to faith in Christ... Something interesting happens is that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. We, are, we have no need for a temple to go to and worship God and find his presence there anymore. Instead, uh, he has templed in us. His presence is within us as his followers. And, so that, and with that, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, comes a gifting and the gifting is all about the building up of the body of Christ. Um, so that you've heard me say this before, you know, dozens of times, that everything we have, I mean, everything we need to accomplish God's purposes for our church is right here in this room. We don't need to, we don't have to sit around, you know, pining away the days going, oh, if only so-and-so would come to our church, they're so talented, and they'd be, they'd be so amazing here, and no, no, no. What God has called us to do as a church, he has provided for us to do, a means for us to do that thing, amongst the gifting and the people that are in this room. And so the question then becomes not, what should we do? The question is more simply just, are you doing it? Are you doing it? And, and, and one of the things I love about Living Hope Church is we're a church with a big heart and a big vision. Like, we're not the country club-style church where it's just, you know, the gathering of the frozen chosen. 
You know, that, that's, not, that's not what we do here. Like, we've, we think outside of these walls. We think, out, we, we think what is our role and our place in this community that God has called us to set us on mission in, and what does that look like? And once we kind of follow the Holy Spirit in that and searching for what it is, how he wants us to interact with this community and gospel this community and that whole thing, then it becomes a matter of, of how do we... How do we make all that happen? Through the, through the people that God has gathered here and the set of gifts that he has gathered here? <coughs> How does all that come together? Now, in, in this church in, in, uh, in Corinth, um, as is the case of, of uh, everything about this church, the way they were exercising their spiritual gifts was really dysfunctional. And so if you want to follow along, if, you, uh, if you're using one of the Bibles from the back, it is page... 959. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I don't have all the scripture on the screen this morning because it was a ton of it. And, and I was overloaded on tryptophan and cranberry sauce. <coughs> all right, so we're going to start with uh, chapter 12. Raise your hand if, you, if you'd like somebody to bring your Bible and an usher will bring your Bible. Yeah, there's a few of them. I see that hand. I see that hand. You got it. <laughs> all right. Page 959 is where we'll be going, all right? And uh, I asked Connor to just put up a couple of verses that are kind of, kind of sum up um, best the overall teaching of these chapters. I'm just going to kind of work my way through this. We're going to read for a little bit. So here we go. Everybody put on your thinking caps. Let me take a quick drink of water. <coughs> Mm-mm. Nope. I don't, but you can hold it real close to your face. All right. By the way, enjoy a candy cane. Don't stab at your neighbor with it, and that'll be good. All right, uh, chapter 12. Paul says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So already he starts off, and we talked a little bit about this over the summer when we did our ghost stories series, but uh, he starts off right out the bat acknowledging that there's probably some misinformation out there, and he's trying to clear, clear it all up and kind of make it and this, this is the case. This happens so often. I hate how, how often this happens in church, where misinformation about God gets out, and it just kind of spreads like wildfire. So you have people misquoting verses and saying things that aren't even true and, and, or not even biblical, and they just, you know, somebody says it, and it sounded good once, and so it just becomes part of the churchy speak that we all do, and and so this had kind of happened in the case of spiritual gifts, where it kind of went off in this weird direction, and it became the new normal for this church, which happens so easily in church. Weird stuff can become normal so quickly. We have to protect ourselves from weird all the time, all the time. And so anyway, so that happens, and so he's like, he's trying to rein it all back in and go, no, 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 let me, let me, let me clear all this up. So he's like, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, in other words, you, you weren't following Christ, you were following other gods. When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So here he's just he's identifying there was this fear around this spiritual gift of, of what the Bible calls speaking in tongues. We'll talk a little bit about it in just a second. But there was this fear that, well, if we can't understand what they're saying, maybe they're, maybe they're cursing Jesus and we don't even know it. And Paul's like, no, 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 like the Holy Spirit's not going to lead somebody to curse Jesus. That's ridiculous. Get over yourself. Okay, Verse 4. 
Now, there are, vari- there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody, would you just read that verse with me, if you can remember what I said? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say it with me. For each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every gift that, you have, that God has given you is for the common good of the church. Your gifting has nothing to do with you and everything to do with us. Does that make sense? All right, good. Okay. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to, st- to, to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by, by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So, so some have the gifting of, to be able to teach. Some have the gifting to be able to uh, discern uh, right from wrong, good from bad. Some people have the ability to, to, to speak in tongues or to prophesy or to heal or to, uh, you know, to have gifts of helps or music or any, uh, any number of, of gifts that God gifts us with. It, it, but that all comes from the same God, from the same Spirit. Okay? Uh, Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. All right, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So he uses this analogy between the body of Christ, the, the church, and our physical bodies. And he's kind of, kind of drawn a metaphor here, right? So, so, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And other parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But does everybody wonder, like, if maybe you're one of those unpresentable parts of the body? <laughs> maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I, have, I have some guesses of who the unpresentable parts are, but I'll keep those to myself. <laughs> All right, so uh, he says, uh, verse 27, Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So he's like, everybody's got a different gift but we're all part of the same body. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a function. Everybody's, there, there's, I, I talk to so many, and, and I think this is, is a, especially true for whatever reason of living hopers. 
I talk to so many of you who feel like you have nothing to contribute to the body of Christ. And it goes against everything that Scripture teaches us, that God has created you and, gift, and, and saved you and gifted you for a purpose in his kingdom and a purpose in this body as well. And just because, you know, you, you just never know how God is going to use. Let me give you a great example. I, I've, I, you've heard this, if you've been here very long, you've heard this example before. Uh, several years ago, like eight years ago maybe, we did our first mission trip to uh, India, uh, to the Little Flock Children's Home. And, and so when we made the announcement of, of you know, uh, that we were going to do this mission trip, as is the case with every time we make an announcement for a trip like this, I have, and other leaders probably have in their head, the people that we hope will sign up, right? Like, like you just have people that, either the people that you get along with really well, or the people that have a certain set of gifting that you think is going to contribute to the overall success of the trip, or, or whatever, but you have these, this, this, this group of people that you kind of hope will sign up, and, and, uh, and as is almost always the case, those people never sign up. They just don't. Instead, the people who sign up is, is, is the people that God has singled out to sign up, right? And God always knows better than we do, and so we should just trust him to begin with. But anyway, so this was the case with this India trip. It, we, we thought we were going to go do a trip where we were going to repair things and build things and, you know, just do all these, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so when, when, the, when the team assembled, I think there was, I don't remember what, eight or 12 of us or something like that. And so when the team assembled uh, and we started kind of looking at who it was that uh, had signed up for this trip... We were like, we have no idea what we're going to do on this trip. Like, nobody knew how to do anything. <laughs> like, there's this really great picture of me uh, in India working on one of the cars, and I don't know how to work on a car. I just held a wrench, and I was like, here, take a picture of me so it looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so anyway, none of us knew how to do anything, and so, we, so we're, we're having all these conversations about, you know, what should we do, and... And, uh, and, you know, what are you good at? What do you get? What are you passionate about? And over and over, the thing that kept coming up was we had a pretty good group of, of uh, ladies that loved scrapbooking. Like, how am I going to do a scrapbooking mission trip? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Does anybody want to sign up for a scrapbooking? Ladies aside, does anybody want to sign up for a scrapbooking mission trip? And, yeah, you do. Okay, good, good. I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. So... So anyway, we were just like, oh, what can we do with this? And so as we started talking to, you know, the, the people who were in charge of Little Flock, we were like, well, I don't know what we're going to do, but we got some scrapbookers in our crew. You can't believe how immediately excited they got. Because they were like, we have all these kids, I think it was like 30 kids at the time, 30 kids at, at Little Flock Children's Home who don't have one single memory to carry with them. They don't have pictures of themselves, much less pictures of their families or anything else. And, and so we spent, in addition, we did some other things too. We did fix a few things and we did, uh, you know, teach some English and some things like that that was valuable to them. But, but we spent a good deal of time helping these kids build their memory books. And it was one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see in your life. These kids held these books as if it was the Holy Grail. I mean, it was the most precious thing that anybody had ever given them. And so God uses whoever God's going to use. So even scrapbookers have a role in the kingdom. <laughs> so who knew exactly? <laughs> who knew? So, okay, so 
He, here is where he, he transitions at the end of that chapter 12, and he says, I'm going to show you a still, he's talking about everybody has all these various kinds of gifts, and they're all for the body, and we all have a role to contribute. And he says, here, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And then he says this, if I, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but, if I, but I have not love, then I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when God makes all things new, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I'll know fully, even as I become fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So he's like, everybody's got these gifts. But then he goes under this whole tirade of, it doesn't really matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter if you think you've got the coolest gifts in the world. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you think you've got more gifts than anybody else in your row. If you don't have love, it's nothing. It's, it's a clanging gong or a clanging cymbal. Is there anything more annoying than just somebody beating a cymbal to death for no purpose at all? It's the most, some of you guys let your kids run around here after church. And we all want to strangle them because they're bang, banging on the cymbals. <laughs> all right, that, that was for free. All right. <laughs> Chapter 14. He says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue... Let me, let me stop a little bit and just talk about this whole tongue thing. Okay? So... The gift of tongues is this um, spiritual gift that I'm, I'm not going to even pretend to understand it because I don't understand it. It's not a, it's personally, it's not a gift that I personally have, uh, although I know some of you do have this gift. And I think it's amazing and awesome that, you, that you've been blessed with that gift. But there's a lot of teaching about this. Basically what it is, it's um, the best that I can tell and we all can tell, is that it's some sort of language. It's a language, but it's like a heavenly language. Uh, it's not a language that's known to us as humans. You're not going to find a book on, you know, you know, there's no Rosetta Stone for tongues, right? So, uh, but it's this heavenly language, and God gives it to some people, and, and, and then he also gives some people the gift to be able to interpret it as well. And Paul's teaching regarding tongues is uh, it's great for your private prayer time. It's awesome. That's a really good use for it. Uh, but in, in the context of church, it's best not to do it unless you also have an interpreter handy. Because otherwise, if you're all just speaker, speaking gibberish that nobody can understand, Paul actually says people will come in, they will think you're drunk, and they'll walk away. And so 
It's, again, in the context of orderly worship. Uh, Paul's guidance is, if you have people that are going to speak in tongues, make sure there's an interpreter present, and make sure they do it one at a time. Uh, It's not just we sing and we get excited and everybody scream in tongues, which is the way most of us have seen it practiced and played out in a lot of churches. Paul says, no, that, that does nobody any good. And this is why he says, I'd rather people, even though he says, I have the gift of tongues, and I, and I probably speak it more than, than the rest of you, he said, I'd, I'd much rather you all have the gift of prophecy because we can understand that and it's beneficial to all of us. And, all, and so anyway, so that's tongues. I'm not trying to downplay it. I think it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift if you have it. But there's a place for it and there's an order for it. And, and I'm thankful that Paul has to, I'm thankful that Paul says that so we don't have to. It's really great. All right, so he says this. Um, Let me start over there at 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, you're, if with your tongue you utter speech that's not intelligible, how will anybody know what's said? And for you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, <laughs> in other words, gifts of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may also interpret. But if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but, I'll, but I will pray. Oh, listen to this. This is so good. I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, so this is what I love and what so many, especially people outside the church, what so many people miss. And here's the reason they miss it. It's, It's our fault that they miss it. That God wants us not to be like mindless spiritual zombies, he actually wants us to engage our mind in our faith. And it's so beautiful. You, you, we, we, talk, we talk so spiritual. We talk so much about the spirit and the leading of the spirit and my spirit and your spirit and everything else. And that's all well and good. But God also gave us minds to guide us in that, to, to, to help us. Eval- Not everything that looks spiritual is spiritual. Do you know that? Not everything that looks spiritual is spiritual. In fact, there's a lot of stuff out there that looks spiritual and it's garbage. Just flat out garbage. 
It's of no use to anybody. It's not glorifying God. It's only glorifying the person, whatever. And God says, no, 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 engage your minds. Don't just be some sort of jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber for the sake of jibber-jabber. Rather, use your mind. Because God, do you guys realize that God uses your mind as much or more as he uses your spirit in his work? And yet we're so quick to like dismiss the mind. Christians are anyway. This is why the world makes fun of us. This is why the world makes fun of us. Because they look at us all and they go, you guys are just check out. You turn off your mind. Things that make sense to the entire world, you just, you just make fun of it and, 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 and you build up these petty, weird excuses as to why things can't be true that are true. The world's looking at us going, like, why would you disengage your mind this way? And, I, and can I tell you, I think God is doing the same thing. Why are you disengaging your mind this way? I gave you this beautiful mind for you to use. Use it. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. So he says this, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, it's written by people of strange strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners of strange tongues. I'm sorry, by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even though they will not listen to me, says the Lord, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God really is among you. Again, it's this whole concept of if you're going to exercise the gifts that God giving you. And, and I know he kind of highlights tongues here. I think he highlights it because it was an issue in that church in Corinth. But he could have highlighted any, any one of those things. If you're going to teach in a way that's glorifying to yourself instead of glorifying to God. If you're going to lead worship in a way that's glorifying to God instead of, or glorifying to yourself instead of glorifying to God. If you're going to, if you're going to help in, in various ways that people can help in a, in a way that's glorifying to yourself instead of glorifying to God. It's, it, it's the same thing. It's a banging gong or a clanging cymbal, right? Now, now here's the thing. Let's come back to, to what, what I really want to draw in here on this is, is that we all have a role in the kingdom of God. Everything that God has called us to do as a church, he has provided a means for us to do with all of us right here. We don't need some big outside donor to bankroll everything that God has called us to do. He has provided through all of our income the ability to do whatever it is he's called us to do. We don't need some sort of super gifted master teacher to come in and join our church. Instead, he has gifted within this group everything that we need to do whatever he's called us to do. I'm totally blown away over and over again about how true that statement is. I'm sitting around scratching my head going, how are we going to get this thing done that we have to get done? And then one of you steps up and you have the exact, exact gift that we need to do what it is we feel called to do. It's a really amazing, beautiful thing. The problem is not that we don't have the right mix of people. The problem is not that we are missing out certain gifts. The problem is that not all of us are engaging. If there's ever a deficiency in 
what we're doing in our ministry and how we're able to reach out to the community. If there's ever a financial deficiency, if there's any, any kind of deficiency that we might experience, it has nothing to do with that we don't have enough people or we don't have the right people. It has to do with the people that we have are not engaging. And we have a, a mission statement around here. Who knows our mission statement? Who will say it out loud? Glory to God, hope to people. Glory, it's so simple. Six words. It's so memorable. It's so easy. Glory to God, hope to people. That's what we're all about. We are all about doing everything that we can as a church to bring glory to God, not to ourselves, to build up and make the name of Jesus famous, not the name of living hope famous. We're about glory to God, and we're about offering hope to people who have none. We're about offering the hope of Jesus Christ to anybody and everybody we come in contact with. That's a great mission statement. Super great. I love it. The problem is this. This is what I want you to get. It's harsh. Get ready. Here we go. Go ahead and put up the next slide. If your gifts aren't benefiting the church, then your mission is glory to me, hope to me. If you're not using your gifts to benefit the church, then don't say glory to God, hope to people, because what you're preaching with the way you live your life is glory to me and hope to me. God has given me these gifts. He has blessed me. He has saved me and given me all these things. It must be all for me, so I'm just going to keep it all for me. But that's not why, he's, it's not why he saved you. It's not why he gifted you. It's not why he's keeping you around on this side of the kingdom. He has done all of that so that you can be a part of the body of Christ. Some of us, we have these physical bodies, and as we get older, I'm mid-40s now, and, it, and wow, it, it, 40 changes. 40 changes everything. And, um, and I've got some parts of the body that aren't working as well as they used to. Got, got some parts. That I, got, I got a hitch in my get-along a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? I got, I, got, I got a back that doesn't hold up the way that it used to. All this kind of stuff. I, I wish I could discipline my body to the point that I could get all the members in line doing what they're supposed to do. But they just do what they do. When you, as a member of this body of Christ, when you, as a member of this body of Christ, don't contribute yourself and your giftedness to what we're doing for the kingdom here, through Living Hope Church, you are crippling this body. You're crippling us. There, we, have this, we have this kind of dream cap of everything that we as a church could dream of and hope to accomplish for the kingdom of God, and we consistently cannot reach it because some of you are living glory to me, hope to me. As if the whole your whole life and the whole reason God saved you was all about you. But that's not why. God didn't save you to make you a better person. God didn't save you so you would get your finances in place. God didn't save you so that your relationships would start working better. He didn't save you so all of a sudden your kids would smile at you and praise your name when you walk through the house. He didn't save you for, it's not, this is not self-help that we're doing here. This is glory to God. He saved you for his own glory. Let that, let that phrase sink in for just a second. God didn't save you because he looked down on you and went, 
poor Jeff. I need to save him. He saved you for his own glory. I don't know how that lands with you, but for me, I find that so much better than self-help religion. That God has saved me for a purpose, to bring glory to him, to share the gospel with everybody else around me and offer hope to people. That's something I can give my life to. But you know what? You know the problem with self-help religion? I don't always feel like being helped. So it's kind of day-to-day, take it or leave it. If you feel like being helped today, turn to Jesus. If you feel like having a positive day for you and your whole family, listen to K-Love. Like I so said, we make these little choices to, to kind of you know, inject a little Jesus into our life or not. Why? Because you've made God and your faith and everything all about you. Glory to me, hope to me. But God has saved you for glory to him and hope to people. He's set you on mission in his kingdom. He's given you a purpose beyond yourself. That is amazing to me. That is beautiful to me. That God is in the process of setting this broken down world back to rights. Setting it back right again. And he could just snap his finger. I can't snap. He could just snap his finger and do it. And instead, he says, no, no, no. I'm going to save all of humankind. Anyone who will place their faith in me, I'm going to gift them in ways that they didn't even know they could possibly be gifted. And I'm going to use them to set all this right. That's exciting to me. That's something I can give my life to. That's something I can get behind and get behind a body of Christ and a bunch of other believers. It's like we can't save the, you know, you guys hear the old, you know, the, the illustration about the guy throwing, what was he throwing back out in the ocean? Starfish. Yeah, there you go. You, you come tell it. So star, the guy walking with somebody out throwing starfish back out in the ocean, he, the guy with him says, you can't, you can't save all of them. He says, I can save that one, Right? It's the same principle. We can't save Little Living Hope Church. We can't save the entire world. But we can save this spot. We can work on this spot. We can turn Dixon and the greater Dixon Metroplex into something that resembles the kingdom of God. And that happens when every single one of us realize that our purpose is not about our own glory and our own hope, but it's about God's glory and everybody else's hope. And we join together in that and we transform our little corner of the world to look like something that resembles the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. That's what your gifts are all about. So don't just keep your gifting to yourself and So many of you know there are things that you can do, and you're not using them. You're you're gifted in certain ways, and you use it in all kinds of different ways in your life. You use it at work, you use it at home, and you kind of, you know, hug it tight to yourself and keep it to yourself when it comes to your church life. And I'm telling you, you're crippling our church. We cannot be everything that God has called us to be until every single one of us who cry out to Jesus as Lord offer ourselves to him and say, use me, and not just use me, but use me up. Use me up. 
That's what spiritual gifts are all about. They're not about me. They're not about you. They're about all of us together. Like I dream of the day when we can look across this room and, and all the people that we go to church with and the people that are the part of the body here at Living Hope, we can look around and, and, and pinpoint every single face, every single name. This is how they're contributing to the kingdom. This is how they're contributing to the kingdom. This is how they are helping us to reach out to this community and transform this community into the kingdom of God. Every single one of us. There's nothing. <laughs> this is the other thing too. So I hear so many, I'll close with this. I hear so many people complain about how, you know, well, God only did miracles back in the, back in the day. Uh, you know, it's not really doing miracles. I wish we could see the power of God the way people used to see the power of God. Could it be that the reason you can't see the power of God in your church is because of you? Because you're crippling the church. What if every one of us was engaged in a beautiful way and just offering ourselves completely to God, willing to do whatever God has called us to do for the sake of his kingdom? Can you imagine the movement, the power of God that would come out of a movement like that? Unstoppable. The last time it happened, 12 guys turned the world upside down. Upside down. A faith went from just a a hundred or so people to something that has pretty much conquered the world. Why? Because a handful of people said, I'm all yours. Use me and use me up. That's what spiritual gifts are all about. And yes, exercise them in a way that is honoring to God. And yes, exercise them in a way that is not distracting in a worship service or whatever, or that benefits the entire body. Yes, all that's true. But the point is, exercise them. Exercise them to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Pray this prayer with me that that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, your word to us is good this morning and it may be a little bit of a hard word for some of us. Uh, probably for all of us, God, I don't know that any one of us could say that we are completely 100% turned over to you, that there are times that all of us hold something back of ourselves from you. And so God, make us as eager to make you Lord of our lives as we are to make you our Savior. We all like the idea of being saved, of being set free from our guilt and our shame and all of that kind of stuff. But God, Make us just as eager to really and truly make you Lord, master of our lives. Help us to give ourselves completely to you. God, I, I, I anxiously await the day when we can look across this beautiful body of Christ that, that we've called Living Hope and see so many, if not all, who are completely given over to you, using their gifts for you, turning this community upside down to your glory. God, we want to see your power. We want to see your glory. We want to see your name made famous right here where we are, where you've placed us on mission. So God, help us to live that mission with intention. 
But most of all, help us to remind ourselves that it's not about us. That's all about you. It's all about you. And we can come together, you know, once or twice a week and gather in a, in a building like this and, and with, with friends and brothers and sisters that we love and feel pretty good about ourselves, but never let us forget that outside these walls right now, in, in very close proximity to where we sit, there are people feeling hopeless. There are people who don't know the power of the gospel in their own lives. There are people wondering, there's somebody within a stone's throw of where we are probably ready to give up completely on their life. God, help us to never forget that. Put within us a passion to take the hope that you've given us to everybody else around us that needs it. And God, we pray that you would gift us in amazing ways so that your work could be done. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.